Before speaking on the next name from Sri Vishnu Sahasranama, I'll address a query from Manohara Mataji from Poland, who is a, a committed hero of these talks. She asked if I am speaking from the commentaries to Vishnu Sahasranam by the author called Narasimha Krishnamurti, who I'd mentioned in my lecture on Vishnu Sahasranam, named 657 to 659, Kamadev, Kamapal, and Kami. Yes, I do access these commentaries which Narasimha Krishnamurti compiled and some other commentaries also. And I also often take quotes from Srila Prabhupada and other Acharyas and I sometimes throw in some realizations that Krishna kindly reveals to me on the subject of himself. Unfortunately, Narasimha Krishnamurti, who I wanted to contact to congratulate him on his tremendous service in compiling these commentaries, I, um, he passed away from this world, so I was unable to do so. The next name, name 805 is Sarva Vijayi. Sarva Vijayi. So that sounds very straightforward, doesn't it? Sarva means all, and Vijayi means one who conquers. But be a little careful. Vijayi, it's very similar to the very common word Vijayi, but this is Sarva Vijayi with two J's. So it's a different word. It has a different meaning. It's Sarva, meaning all, yes. Then Vijjai, and Vij here stands for Vid. Sarva plus Vid plus Jai. Vid means Vidvan from the word Vidya, to know. So what we have here is all knowledge or knowers, conqueror. He who conquers over learned persons. Parashara Bhatta gives the meaning that he conquers, Vishnu conquers, over learned persons, the demons, Asuras, who were very learned and who were using the Vedic knowledge for their dastardly ends that we discussed in the previous name also, how there are, are demons who take the Vedic knowledge and use it for bad purposes. Just like we have in the Atharva Veda, there are many mantras which are meant for doing harm to others. Now, doing harm to others is generally not recommended, but 
it has its practical use also in human society. If there's someone who is wicked, it may be necessary to restrain him. We find that even the pure brahmanas at the time of Maharaj Vena, this is recounted in the fourth canto of Srimad Bhagavatam, by mantra, they killed Maharaj Vena because he was so demoniac. So they harmed him. So the Vedas may also give knowledge of how to harm others, but that is not meant to be used in a spirit of wanting to harm others, but only to protect, as required, persons who require to be protected from those who adharmically want to harm them. However, there are instances of demoniac persons taking the Vedic knowledge and using it for their nefarious ends. However, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, um, by his sweet words and convincing arguments, was able to conquer over the learned persons who were misusing their knowledge. A great example of this, of course, is Buddha Dev, the highly learned Brahmanas who wanted to, or not, they didn't only want to, they were actually using their Vedic knowledge to conduct unnecessarily a plethora of animal sacrifices. So they were learned in the Vedas, but they were misusing the knowledge of the Vedas in a way that it was never intended to be. So Buddha, by his various ways, by the, by the charm of his looks, by the effulgence of his body, uh, by his learned discourses. Learned means he rejected the Vedas by, by sophistry, by a false display of knowledge. But he, he did what was required for taking these persons away from the path of dharma. Although Buddhism also, it claims to be dharma. But actually dharma means... Th Dharmang tu sakshat bhagavat pranitam. Dharma means that which is given by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. But the Buddhists, they don't believe in any Personality of Godhead, although they retain the word Dharma. So the Supreme Lord, he conquered over them in the sense that he redirected their demoniac spirit outside the Vedic fold. So although their teachings are very harmful, at least they were distinguished from the Vedic teachings. And in this way, uh, they did not any further cause damage to the followers of the Vedas. He conquers over the learned. Uh, one example, this is coming from Madhva Sampradaya. Uh, I can tell that because in the commentary they use the term Hari Sarvotama, which is a 
commonly used term within the Madhva Sampradaya. They always emphasize. Mad, Madhvas emphasize that Hari Sarvotama, Hari, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, is above all. They give the example of Krishna defeating Arjuna. Arjuna, we can understand from Arjuna's questions that Arjuna was actually learned. Although at the beginning of the Gita, Lord Krishna chastised Arjuna. Beginning means the beginning of Krishna's talking, that's in chapter 2, that you are speaking as if you know what you're talking about, but you don't. Uh, those who are wise lament neither for the living or the dead. In other words, he was saying to Arjuna, you're talking as if you know a lot, as if you're a pundit, but actually a pundit doesn't lament in the way that you are lamenting. It's obvious from Arjuna's questions that and from what Krishna spoke to Arjuna, that Arjuna had a grip on these subjects. Krishna speaks about atma, karma, dharma, the three modes of material nature, uh, purushottama, jiva, purusha, prakriti. These are all terms loaded with Vedic understanding. These each one of these terms has been discussed at great length by Vedic scholars. Uh, of course, many of the Vedic scholars that, scholars that we are aware of, they discussed these topics after, chronologically, after Krishna spoke to Arjuna. But obviously, these topics that Krishna was speaking to Arjuna, they were not topics that Krishna made up on the spot. They were topics that were well known among Vedic scholars. Arjuna wasn't by nature or by training a scholar per se. He was a kshatriya, but kshatriyas are also supposed to have some knowledge, Vedic knowledge, and not to the extent that Brahmanas do, but practically speaking, the Pandavas had been raised in their childhood, in their early childhood among Brahmanas, and then they spent 13 years in exile, well, 12 years in the forest, moving with brahmanas and spending a lot of time listening to their discourses. That was largely due to Yudhishthira's interest, but Arjuna is obviously very well learned himself, and he could ask questions like, King Tad Brahma, Kim Adhyatmam, Kim Karma Purushottamam, Adibhutam jaking proktam adidaivam kimuchate. He could ask questions. What is this Brahma that you're talking about? What is this Adhyatma? What is karma? Uh, what is adidaiva? And so on. These are all very technical terms. Krishna's answer. And then ultimately, uh, Arjuna asks, well, there are so many questions Arjuna asks throughout the Gita. Prayar, but in this series of questions, Prayarna Kale Chakatam Geo Sineyatatma Bihi. 
the answers to the other questions, Krishna answers almost cryptically, very, very briefly, and, and in such a way that different commentators have given different meanings. But Pradley, the rest of this chapter, the eighth chapter, Krishna dedicates to answering this question, prayarna kale chakatam niyatatma bihi. How niyatatma bihi, giving the understanding that to know Krishna at the time of death requires someone to be self-controlled. So Arjuna, definitely he was a learned person. He had a grasp of what was Krishna was speaking about. He spoke 84 out of the 700 or so verses of the Bhagavad Gita. Even up to the present day, these topics of Gita, we, we can't discuss them with everyone. For most people, it's just beyond their understanding. It is, you could say, specialized subject matter. In another sense, it's not specialized because it's something we should all know. Bhagavad Gita is supposed to be the introductory knowledge of spiritual understanding, but it's not so easy. Not so easy to understand. The basic concepts seem quite simple, but if we try to discuss them with most people, they're just completely stumped and they have no idea what we're talking about. <clears throat> Actually, we should try to get a reasonably solid, a somewhat solid basis in understanding Gita. Otherwise, even if we hear Krishna Leela and so many stories and... Uh, but our proper appreciation should come by understanding the topics in Gita. Krishna says, Jnani tvat maiva matam. Krishna says, I consider the Jnani to be on the same level as myself. So Krishna wanted us to try to understand this Bhagavad Gita, which is why he spoke it to Arjuna. So the point here is that Arjuna, he was a very learned person. He had a good grasp on these subject matters. Otherwise, he couldn't have understood what Krishna was talking about at all. But Krishna defeated Arjuna. And the manner in which Krishna defeated Arjuna, it's not in like that of a classic debate, but he really won Arjuna's heart. In one sense, he already had Krishna. Krishna already had Arjuna's heart. Bhaktosime sakacheti rahasyam hietarutamam. I'm speaking this knowledge to you, Krishna said. Uh, he, he could have called Vedvyas. Who could be a greater scholar than Vedvyas? There are so many great scholars. Uh, Dhomya must have been in the vicinity uh, who had given so much knowledge to the Pandavas during their exile. Uh, so many great learned scholars were there or in the vicinity, but Krishna chose to speak to Arjuna because Krishna loved Arjuna in a manner that he didn't love everyone. He was his friend, personal friend, Sakha Chaiti. You're my devotee. There's so many devotees. But you're, you, you, we're friends, right? We're heart-to-heart -heart friends. So they were heart-to-heart. -heart. Krishna already had Arjuna's heart, but he spoke to him. 
he spoke to Arjuna in a way. He spoke Bhagavad Gita, not really, not in the mode of defeating him, as we may find in scholarly discussions, but with the mood of uplifting him, of, of giving Arjuna the knowledge by which he could act properly. Arjuna was so concerned to act properly, his whole despair, Arjuna Vishada Yoga, arose because he thought that fighting would be improper in this circumstance. But Krishna patiently, uh, with higher knowledge, taught Arjuna in such a way, with concern for Arjuna, that Arjuna actually do the right thing and not do the wrong thing, thinking that he was doing the right thing. And then Arjuna appreciated at the beginning, Nashto moho smriti labda tvat prasadamayachuta. Yeah, yes, at the end of Gita, Arjuna admits to Krishna, yes, my illusion is destroyed. I've come back to my proper way of thinking and understanding by your mercy upon me. So Krishna defeats over the Vedic scholars uh, if they want to be argumentative, he can do that also. He appears uh, on the tongue. He inspires the words of great debaters among devotees, Madhvacharya, the most uh, aggressive and outstanding of Vedic scholars went from place to place and defeated others, inspired by Hari Sarvottama. He was able to defeat others, the demoniac opponents who were opposed to Hari Bhakti. But among his own devotees, Krishna speaks to Arjuna, speaks to Uddhava. He reigns over them by his superior knowledge Shankaracharya, he breaks this name into two names. He treats it as two names, but he brings them together also as Sarvavid, he who knows everything, that's definitely Vishnu, and Jai, he who is vic victorious. Jai, he who is victorious. Krishna knows everything, he's always victorious. One of the major factors in being victorious over anyone or anything in any field, as Satyadeva Vashishta points out, is to know the inner secrets of one's opponent. That's true in war, in technological competition, one should know the strengths and weaknesses of the opponent. And a huge amount of endeavor in the military field, or, or military come political field, is spent year after year, day after day. There are, especially the more powerful countries who are in competition with each other, they don't trust each other although sometimes their heads of states come together and they shake hands and smile. 
but they're constantly engaged in spying on each other, second-guessing each other, and trying to protect the knowledge that they have, their own inner secrets, from going out. Spying is considered one of the worst crimes, That's even from the legal point of view. It's, it's considered extreme. If, if one gives knowledge of one's own country's military secrets to the enemy, uh, that is treason. That's the worst possible crime. Uh, you, you might beat someone on the head or steal their money or something, and these are all bad things, but to give knowledge to the others is considered very bad. Oh, there's, there's a whole science, isn't there, of, of deliberate misinformation, uh, trying to, to send out red herrings to mislead, uh, mislead the enemy. It's very sophisticated science. However, we can't fool Krishna. He knows everything. It does make it kind of boring, you could think. If you, if you already know everything, you're always going to win every time. That's maybe why Krishna, he appears as if a human, as if he doesn't know. He, he takes the role of a human as if he doesn't know. And that he also has to act as if he's an equal with others when he goes to attack Rama, goes to attack Lanka. He acts as if, as if he's a human, as if he's constrained by the laws of this material world. <clears throat> but intrinsically, Krishna he knows everything inside out. He's omniscient. Everything he knows in its entirety. And he's destined to be victorious. He has the energy, the, the, the vigor, the, 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 the desire to be victorious. You may say, well, sometimes it appears he's not victorious. He lost to Jarasandha, right? And he, he ran away and then he he'd hold, he hold himself up in a fort in the sea. He himself, quote-unquote, admitted to Rukmini that, you see, I'm so afraid of my enemies that I, I ran away and made a fort in the sea, in this Dwaraka. So it may appear like this, but intrinsically he conquers over everything and everyone. So better not to make an enemy of Krishna because you're not going to win. <laughs> you have to submit. Just surrender to Krishna. No, we won't surrender to anyone. We'll die, but we won't surrender. Yeah, we'll die. We hear that, that we'll be brave warriors. We'll go and fight. What's the point of dying? 
what's the point of dying? You're going to lose anyway. What's the point of dying? If, of course, in material existence, we don't surrender to Krishna. And then we die again and again and again and again. But we don't surrender to Krishna. Remembering in my childhood, there used to be a saying going around, better be red than dead. In other words, Britain, the British politicians in their wisdom had decided we'd better be enemies with Russia. It seems to be a long-standing tradition up to the present day, at the time USSR. But there were members of the British public who thought that, well, if we're going to get in a war with Russia, then we're all going to be dead because the USSR has plenty of weaponry capable of completely, what's the word, completely incinerating the whole of the British Isles. So what's the alternative? Well, we could submit to their communist regime, then we'd be red because red is the color of the communist movement. So better be red than dead. That was their idea. Better surrender to the Russians than be dead. At least you're alive. Well, it makes sense. Better surrender to Krishna. They may say, well, people who surrender to Krishna, they die anyway. Mm, yeah, everyone dies, but those who surrender to Krishna, they don't die again and again and again. They go to Krishna. They don't die. Abhyantaran bahyan hiranyakshadins cha durjayan jaitam shilam asya iti jai. He is complete in knowledge. And in this way, he overcomes the difficult to overcome enemies. There are two kinds of enemies those within, very difficult to overcome. Kam krod lobo. Just, okay, we all know. Kamkrod, Lob, Mohamada, Matsarya. Lust, anger, greed, illusion, pride, and envy. These are all very difficult to overcome. You don't even have to say the whole list of six. Even the first one, calm, material desire, deep in the heart. Very, very difficult to overcome. But for Krishna... Material desires don't even enter his heart. As far as the external demons, enemies outside here on Yaksha, Krishna overcomes them all, even though very difficult to overcome. All the demigods together couldn't overcome here on Yaksha. Krishna, Asvaraha, overcame him. Therefore, Krishna is Jai, victorious. As far as the name Saravit is concerned, Sri Radha Krishna Shastri gives a reference to the Shruti. The Vedic scholars are the Vedic scholars are concerned to quote, especially from the Shruti, from the original Vedas. So here we have from Mundaka Upanishad, Yas Sarvagya Sarvavit. 
So there we are. Sarv. Who knows everything? Because, Radha Krishna Shastri says, because he knows everything, he is able to conquer the inner enemies, such as karma and krodha. This is very important. We find in Bhagavad Gita also, when Krishna speaks to Arjuna about the dangers of karma and krodha, especially focusing on karma, material desire, Krishna tells Arjuna that you should know what is the nature of this karma, of this material desire. You should know about it. Knowing about it, you should conquer it. This comes at, at the end of the third chapter of Gita. If we don't even know that material desire is our enemy, then where's the question of conquering it? Where we ourselves are conquered all the time without even knowing it. We are servants of material desire. And then we should know what are the, what are the places where, 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 is the, where, is the, where are the repositories of this lust? What are the levels of this lust? This is all described at the end of the third chapter. So the point is, Krishna knows everything and therefore he can conquer the inner enemies. It's a metaphorical way of speaking because there's no real question of the inner enemies ever attacking Krishna. But, yes, as metaphorical, metaphorical uh, as, a, as a metaphor, it also helps us to understand what we need to do to conquer over those inner enemies. Krishna Data Bharadvaj, he takes Sarvavid to mean greatly learned persons like Brahma and says that because Narayana is more knowledgeable than them, he's above them in all respects. Therefore, he is Sarvavij Jai. This, this gives the sense that he... It's not that he actually engages with them in discussion or defeats them, but just constitutionally, inherently, he is above them. Sarvam vidanti iti sarvavido brahmadaya tanapi nerati shaya sarvagyataya jayati iti sarvavijayi. Balade Vidyabhushan takes his name to mean that Jaya here means merit. Victory, merit, just like we say, Srila Prabhupada ki jai. So by saying jai, it means we're, we're giving praise to. So, so Balade Vidya Bhushan. In his Namartha Sudha, 
the nectar of the meanings of the names in his commentary says that great sages who are Sarvavit and Baladev Vidyabhushan gives the example of Vashishta and Vamadev who figure prominently in Ramayana. Such Sarvavit, such great sages, they give great respect to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So in this way, Sarvavid Jai, one who is honored by greatly learned and saintly people for his qualities, for himself being more learned than them, and in all respects, worshipable by them. So actually, persons who are actually very learned they must surrender to Krishna. They must submit to him. And in this way, they allow themselves to be conquered or they must offer respect to him. This brings to mind the uh, verse from Bhagavatam that uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu explained to Savabhoma Bhattacharya even the self-satisfied munis, greatly learned persons, who are so learned, they don't need to read from books. I'm giving one possible uh, understanding out of the derived from the 60, one of the 61 meanings that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave, although there could be, as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself says, there could be innumerable meanings to this verse. So they're so learned, they don't even need to read, read books. But they are so much enamored, they become so much enamored by the glorious deeds of the great actor who is known as Hari and by his glorious qualities that they perform devotion to him. Ahituki Bhakti, without any need or desire. They're already fully self-satisfied, but they are conquered by his transcendental qualities. Sarva Vijayi Bhagavan Ki Jai. Vanchakalpatarubhyascharkipasindubhyavacha-patita-anam-pavanebhyo-vaishnavebhyo-namo-namaha-dantenitaya-charnakam-padayani-patya-kritvacha-kaku-satameta-dahambravimi-hesadva